so much for tuning in and welcome everyone. I hope you're well. I'm your host, Ben Lively, and you're listening to Shaken Awake episode number 67. I just wanted to thank you again for tuning in with us today, wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment. Uh, it means everything to me to share the messages that God has laid on my heart to share with you. And I want to give a special shout out uh, to all the new listeners uh, listening to the show today. Uh, no doubt how this podcast landed in their ears. Thanks be to God for moving these messages to those he wants to touch. And many of them come from you, the listeners. So as always, I promise you another great show. But more than anything, my hope for you today, as always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord, not just uh, listening to another podcast episode. So again, quick ask. I ask this every time, and I really rely uh, on you, the listeners. If you find value in these, would you just take... 20 or 30 seconds after the show, go submit a quick review and a star rating in your app. Then this is what potential listeners look for when deciding whether or not to even give this show a listen. So if you do that for me, that would be great. Again, only if you find value in these episodes. For those of you that have, I cannot thank you enough. And also, it's just spread the word. It's a great way to spread the message and to, to plant seeds. Just pass on a link to the show to your friends or family or colleagues that the Lord prompts you to send to. There's so many people that need to hear these messages in Scripture, and God will see to it that it gets to them. Remember, the uh, harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Uh, let yourself be the laborer that Christ asks you to be, so he'll do the rest. Uh, so without further delay, let's get ready to invite God in with us right here and right now and allow him to speak directly to your heart and mind. So we're going to continue on with uh, Jesus's parables today. We're going to go with a three that go hand in hand with one another. Just as it's, it, it is said that the more times a statement or sentence is repeated in the Bible, it significant uh, signifies that it's it, it's importance that it was written that way. Uh, so are the parables that connect to one another. And by the way, do you know that many of the books of the Bible are duplicates of other different books written by two different people? They're a different account of events, but many are written almost to the word the same. Coincidence? Not a chance. But I never knew that because, again, I never read my Bible. Imagine that. Hey, if the shoe fits, kick it off, right? So today's topic is on how you may be contributing to your own eternal judgment. And so to better understand today's topic, we're going to be looking at three well-known parables. Once again, we'll have uh, some stories given by Jesus himself to show us the way, warn us against whatever he's warning us against, and also providing us the what if, should we not obey? Yet how many are A, reading these, or, or B, keeping them in the forefront of their life? You know, I don't want to speculate, but I would wager to say it's less than 5% of the professing Christian population on any given day. You know, us, the ones that are to dwell 
in God's word and take it more seriously than anything else that we encounter or or have in our lives. So we're going to take a look at three correlating parables today to see the entire picture and to see what the Bible states about all three and those that fall victim to each. So we're going to uh, quickly but carefully, we're going to look at this speck in the log, then the unforgiving servant, and lastly, the heart of man. So the speck of the lo- and the log are uh, Matthew 7, 1 to 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Sounds fair, but uh, sounds a little scary too, because I know I've judged others, and I don't judge them lightly. Uh, why? Uh, continuing on, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck out of your eye," when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite! First, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I don't know about you, but that's pretty straightforward. Not too much misunderstanding or um, metaphorically speaking, uh, it's pretty simple and straightforward. So let's move now on to the unforgiving servant. Matthew 18, 23 to 35. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with a servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. So he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and said, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger... His master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Coming from Jesus' own mouth, and to finish this verse, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Again, very straightforward, easy to understand. We're going to break these down in a minute here. Lastly, the heart of man, Matthew 15, 10 to 20. So Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth doesn't defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. So then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Jesus replied, 
every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. I love this. Jesus, are you still so dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. He stops there, but you and I could continue on and so could he have. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Okay, so first is judgment. You know, there's, there's judgment built into these uh, parables. So what does it say about judging others and what we're supposed to do uh, by judging others? What we're not supposed to do, rather. Luke 6, 31, 36 says, do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. I remember the first time reading that blew my mind. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Wow. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? So even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back in return that equal that means love good and 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 being paid back don't expect anything back then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked be merciful just as your father is merciful and then lastly, uh, to back some, some of those parables up, Romans 2, 1 to 3 is a great um, excerpt as well. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. I know I'm speaking to some of you today. I'm not. God and the Holy Spirit are. Let me let me retract that. Verse two. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Oh, God's judgment against those who do such things. I've done those things. So when you, a mere human being, you, you listeners, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? It ends there, but the answer is no. And I despise when I when I see mostly online arguments saying, oh, that's just taken out of context. That was meant for the fill in the blank. No, it's meant for us. It's, me, it's meant for you and me right now. It doesn't take 
a genius to figure this out. We don't want to hear it. And just like the saying goes, everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Right. We want to be called a Christian, but we don't want to hear the harsh truths. I'm going to read that last sentence again because it hit me over the head like a mallet. So when you, a mere human, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, I'm raising my hand my whole life, do you think you will escape God's judgment? That is a rhetorical question from Jesus Christ. I already know the answer. So do you. So let's talk about forgiveness versus unforgiveness. So so what about forgiving versus not forgiving? Mark 11:25 shed some light on this and I'm going to show you how it how it, how it worked in my life as an example. And when uh, Mark 11:25 and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. I remember the first, all of these, I remember, look, I thought I could do whatever I wanted because I was a Christian and I believed. Those that believeth in him shall not perish. Yeah, but there's some more, there, there, there are some rules we live by. Forgive if you have anything against anyone doesn't mean, well, that person really did me wrong. Oh, that person really abused me. This That person, if you have anything against anyone, he didn't say except if. And here's here's the hammer. Here's the double edge. Here's where it's condemning you. This is the what if. Well, what if I don't? What if I'm not? What if I didn't? So that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. If you don't forgive, we've just read it. He doesn't forgive you. You will pay back in the same measurement you judge someone else. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, if, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, and this doesn't come from me, this is the Bible. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Let that sink in. And for all those that say, oh, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that was me. Uh, that's just uh, people that aren't saved. Well, he didn't say that. Who do you think he's talking to here? Do unbelievers forgive? <laughs> in this day and age, do believers forgive? No. No, it's a command. It's a commandment. The answer is, you're not a true Christian if you're not. If you're not forgiving others. So Colossians 3, 12 to 13, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. There's nothing in any, that anyone else has done to you, okay? I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is, anything that you haven't done yourself. You know why? Because God is so holy that one sin is not greater than another. You already know that. And if you don't, it's right in your Bible. That's why we can't look at him. No one could ever look at him. He is so holy, we can't even look at something that holy. We're all sinful in his eyes. The only thing that covers us is the blood of Jesus Christ. But 
he has forgiven us. So if he has forgiven us for lying and being a liar our whole life, that's the same thing as someone that's physically abused you in his eyes, in the spiritual realm. There's no difference. A sin is a sin is a sin. Okay, Matthew 18, 21 to 22. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times. He basically said, no, you're saying that. I'm gonna tell you 70 times seven. Isaiah 43, 25 to 26. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions. For who? For my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. I love that. He blots out our transgressions for not our sake, his sake, so that he can't remember them anymore. Put me in remembrance. Let us argue together. Set forth your case that you may be proved right. That's at the judgment seat. And, and lastly, of uh, 1 John 2, 1 to 29. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if... We keep his commandments. Oh, but I hear, oh, he's done away with commandments. There's no such thing. No, that's not what 1 John 2, 1 to 29 says. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments. I'm going to insert something. Remember, uh, there's verses. I've said this on a lot of different podcasts. One of the most scary, um, in my opinion, scary verses in in the Bible where he says, uh, one day he'll, he'll tell people, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. But look at this sentence. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments. So there's one of the clues when people say, oh, I wonder who's he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. What do you mean he never knew us? They're confused. Well, there's a there's a clue right there. It's staring you right in the face. Who at? I'm going back to 1 John now. Whoever says, quote unquote, I know him, listen to this, but does not keep his commandments is a what? Is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And by this, we may know that we are in him. Evil hearts. How about evil? Those that have evil hearts are the unrighteous. Who are the unrighteous and what happens to them? Us, unless we repent. So Mark 7, 20, 23 says, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Some are you and I'm raising my hand. Uh-oh, do we have any of that? Maybe not, you can say, oh, I'm not sexually immoral. I don't steal, I don't murder, I don't I don't have adultery. Okay, well, how about envy? How about slander? How about pride? How about foolishness? I'll finish the verse. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Don't tell me you don't. 
do not tell me you don't. It's not me. I'm referencing. Don't don't try to convince Jesus you don't. Okay. I'm raising my hand here. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to myself. You just hear me. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before. Listen to this, guys. I hope you stuck around for this. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I remember reading that for the first time. And all I kept thinking was, man, John 3.16 had me thinking something else. What do you mean? Surely that can't apply to me. Yes, because if you did truly believe in him, and you truly love him, and you truly follow him, you do not do those things. You repent and change. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's the punishment. There's the judgment. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Take that literally. You got everyone under the sun today, media, social media, friends and family circle, co-workers, I don't care. Do not be deceived. They're, they're out there telling you the opposite. And he's saying, don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. There is no way to misrepresent that or read it wrong or think he's talking to another group. Oh, that must have been for the Israelites or the Jews. This, it's for us today. He didn't change. Why would his words change? The Bible was for them and it's for us and for every generation until the end of age. Uh, Here we go. Revelations 21, 7 to 8. And then I'm going to flip it. Uh, Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, uh uh-oh, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Do you see how he separates? I just want to throw this out. He separates the unbelieving from the idolaters and all liars. Well, there goes the defense for those that say, oh, that's this is for unbelievers. No, not just cowardly. What comes to mind is those that are afraid to speak my name. I won't speak their name to my father who is in heaven. It's all right here, guys. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Guys, this isn't a you know, uh, rain down and fire and brimstone message I have for you. I'm just reading you the Bible. So if the shoe fits, please kick it off. So here on the contrary, love from the heart that flows from the mouth. What does the Bible say? First Corinthians 13, four to 13, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. 
It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, a Christian, a born-again Christian, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have become fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You see, I was abused my whole life. If you haven't heard my testimony, which is really the story of how great God is, not what happened to me. It's how he pulled one of the worst, most evil, and I still haven't gotten into the details. I don't even know if I can. It would creep you out. It would disturb you. I really mean that. It, the, the testimony is about what God did for me. I'm going to have a little chat with Paul up in heaven about who was really the worst of them all. I think I was. Oh, man. Um, but I went from someone that I hated my entire life, hated. I wanted to kill him. I would have killed him had I not gone into the military. I would have murdered him. I didn't, don't care about the... I didn't, I wouldn't have cared about the outcome. Um, would have murdered him. Easy. And I'm just going to fast forward to now. The Lord has taken everything that's ever happened to me that's bad. Anything that ever happened to me and turned it into something great. I have no hate for him. I have no resent for him. It's as if none of that stuff happened. The Lord just removed it. He helped me see it's not flesh and blood that we truly fight against. It's the principalities and uh, of evil. It's not the people. It's Satan doing his thing. He never did anything wrong to me growing up. It was the evil within. That's what I hated. I don't hate him. I have no resent. I can speak about him and what he did and everything yeah, it happened, but I don't even care. And if I had to change anything, looking back, I would change nothing. I would ask God for the same everything growing up because I had no idea then what he had in store for me. If that, if that gentleman that abused me and stole away my childhood, or so I blamed, was here today, I'd openly forgive him. I have long since forgiven him. I have no remorse, no hatred in my heart. A total forgiveness. I'd go out to lunch with him. I'd share a conversation with him. I wouldn't bring up the past. And if he did, I'd spend my time telling him not to say sorry. You've already been forgiven by me. You gotta worry about Jesus forgiving and you gotta ask him, but I have no, and that 
you know, some people go their whole lives and still have hatred for people in their hearts for what they did to them. And and you know what? I can't say there's no reason for feeling that way. Some people have had some really awful things happen. I mean, imagine someone murders your child or rapes your daughter, whatever. I mean, that's true forgiveness. But I just read to you what happens if we don't and if we judge and if we don't forgive trespasses. We are to blame, not them because Jesus forgave us and if we choose not to forgive we're no better than the servant that did not forgive and look what happened to him okay I'm going to wrap this up 1 Corinthians 6 19 to 20 or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God you are not your own I love this you are not your own for you were bought with a price so glorify God in your body I remember the first time reading that. I was like, wait a minute, bought for a... Yeah, God came as, as a human, Jesus, and he took the blame for our sins and he was sinless and he, he shed his own blood for us. We aren't our own, no longer of the world. We are actually his. We're here for him, not us. This life, once you become saved, is no longer yours because this earth is not ours. We're on the wrong side of heaven right now, but we're charged with doing some things. And those things are with this last sentence in this verse. So glorify God in your body. How do you glorify God? We just talked about it. John 15, 12. This is my commandment. Here we go. This is my commandment. Hey, if we can't listen to God, what's the use of listening to anyone? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He loved us so much, he came down on earth, became sin, who knew no sin, and died for us. I don't know about you, but I I wouldn't necessarily die for you guys. I'm not going to have my kid, my son, die for you, but he did. That's how much he loved you. Luke 6.35, this is the last passage, and I'm going to wrap things up. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you, listen to this, you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So nothing I say in these podcasts mean anything more than just words, except for the words of God that I speak directly from the pages of his instruction manual for us. I'm not preaching to you. I'm taking the wisdom and the understanding given to me by the Holy Spirit through God's word and I'm teaching myself out loud what I've been given. I'm just simply passing this along to you and anyone else who will listen. I'd rather everyone read their Bibles consistently and daily, every day of their life, as as God commands us through his Bible. But I know by now, this is a, a desire and a wish of mine and certainly of God's, that will never be fulfilled. So I'm led to share as much as I can in the limited number of heartbeats I have remaining with you and anyone else that's thirsty to hear more. You see, the Bible wasn't created as a symbol. It was created to pass God's knowledge and commandments and instructions to us that we may dwell in it and follow it all the days of our lives. So nothing I say is important. But what God says is the only important things you'll ever hear 
which will last until your last breath here on earth. Don't waste another day judging others, being unforgiving, or as I like to say, being selective in your judgment, or allowing your heart and mouth to defile you. By doing so, you're you're separating yourself from God and are casting judgment and condemnation on yourself. The, The God of this world, Satan, will tempt you every minute of every day if and when he has to. He's had thousands of years to perfect his craft. Don't let it in the hands of Satan. Surrender these areas of your life, every area of your life, to the Father. Break the chains that have been holding you back from living the life that God has purposed for you and has died for you in order that you may believe in him and repent and be saved. You cannot and will not if you continue in sin. Be the salt and light in our dark and tasteless world. The world's getting darker. So it's time for us to be the lamps on the hill shining brightly. And I would be remiss, I'm closing now, I would be remiss if I didn't share with you this. There, again, there are no such things as coincidences, okay? So I re, I put down my notes a couple days ago for today's podcast, and I'm recording it. And I had a couple minutes before recording, I just said, oh, I haven't looked at this one prayer book that I have. It's called Three Minute Prayers for Men. It can be for anyone. Um, I love it. And I've got so many books that I, I keep reading in addition to the Bible that I haven't picked this one up yet. So I'm going to read to you today's, or it's actually not dated. It's just on your own time. It's just one per day. Listen to this. Talk about timing. God's great. And I'm going to share it with you. Listen to today's when I open this up. It's called the power of words. Comes from Ephesians. They start with a a verse. Uh, Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And here's the author saying, he he comes up with this prayer. "Loving, Loving Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm not always careful with the words that I speak. I sometimes say things I shouldn't. Words that could hurt other people and damage their reputations. And I don't speak nearly enough words of encouragement and edification. I know that needs to change today. Lord, please check me when I'm about to say something I shouldn't. Not only that, please give me words that build up and encourage others. Help me to replace my negative hurtful speech with words that bless, encourage, and challenge others. Let every word that comes out of my mouth be helpful. And then they always end with a to-do. It's called think about it. So think about it. Do you sometimes find it too easy to say things you shouldn't? What steps can you take to make sure you speak only loving, uplifting words? Man, what a what great timing, what great message. So before we end today's show, guys, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in. I hope you were touched by today's message and scripture. If you'd like to reach out to me, please call me directly at 407-493-3208. Email me at ben at shaken-awake.com or just check out the show at shaken-awake.com. So until next time, take great care of yourself and each other and God bless you all.